You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Being inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's going to be a great show this evening, and I'm thrilled to have um, a local Dynamo woman with me in the studio. Her name is Laura Rain, and Laura is the Chief U.S. Economist in Investment Research at FS Investments uh, right here in Philadelphia, and she'll be joining me in just a moment. Uh, Be sure to stay with us during the commercial breaks to hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you valuable information on your health finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. Uh, So be sure to stay with us during the breaks. And if you'd like to subscribe to our monthly newsletter and get the podcast every week, uh, you can do so by visiting womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And as always, we encourage you to stay connected with us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, also at Women to Watch. So now I'm very honored to welcome to the show Laura Rame. Thanks, Laura, for being here. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited, too, and I'm going to do my best to um, ask not only the questions about your life story, but some good, intelligent questions about the economy. We're, we're going we're gonna to do great. Yeah. I think anything <laughs> I'm curious about, my listeners are curious about. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I understand you were raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and your dad was an epidemiologist. And mom was a copywriter and had more of a creative side to her. So I was curious to know um, what you see from both mom and dad in you. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting combination because um, I think for my generation, and this continues to be a challenge, but getting girls and women to pursue 
careers in analytics, math, statistics-based, science-based is a little bit unusual. Um, And so it was always nice. I can remember from a very young age, my dad, um, the type of scientist or a doctor that he is, is um, collects a lot of data. They deal with outbreaks and um, they're constantly needing to really take a very data-driven view of either a person or the arc of, of an outbreak. And so from a very early age, he would encourage us to graph things. I remember over the summer as I started playing soccer, he wanted me to graph um, you know, like the circumference of my thigh to see if my muscles were getting bigger, <laughs> wow. you know, or or things like this. Just, you know, this idea. I mean, I remember uh, driving to school. He would say every day, let's, you know, write down how long it takes us in these different routes. And we can really judge, you know, obviously before the age of an iPhone, right. which way is wow. the fastest. So this, you know, let's make a data driven decision. You know, I always um, remember that. And even to this day, I still look at data with graphs Um and I find that to be something I, I always go back to. So, and you know, I think it's interesting that my mom was absolutely on the opposite spectrum. I'm not sure if that worked long term for their marriage, but it certainly <laughs> I benefited from it because uh, she's a very creative person. I think people underestimate, even in finance, uh, when you're t- thinking about research and trying to engage people in your content when you're writing, you probably see it from what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, creativity is really important. I think it's something that's often overlooked. Yeah, and a part of every role, every job, every industry. Yeah. I think it's interesting when – so I'm picturing you as this little girl and dad saying, this is how we're going to really deep dive and, and analyze uh, playing soccer – did you say, oh, come on, Dad? Or were you excited about it? You were interested in it and want to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, in retrospect, it seemed really interesting. I'm sure at the time I gave a 13-year-old roll of the eye and, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> right, right. And refused to acknowledge that it was a good idea, even if secretly I thought it was a good idea. Right. So, um, but, you know, I think that's something I've always, I've never been afraid of math or afraid okay. of um, of analytics, and I really credit his encouragement. Yeah, an ability. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of creativity, I have a quote here that you've said that most people don't realize how much creativity is required for research. So, in what way? How do you use that for for what you do? Well, uh, I'll I'll give an example. You know, right now in the press, we're seeing a lot of concern about recessions and a lot of concern. Um, from politicians, from policymakers, from investors, at family meetings and at client meetings, I get asked my opinion about whether or not we're going to have a recession. So instead of putting out this long, drawn-out discourse on recessions, I just published a blog called My Two Favorite Recession Indicators. (laughs) You know, simple, clear, to the point. You know, it's, it's taken me, you know, obviously years of watching the economy to distill all of the data down to these two things. And I obviously look at everything. That's my job. Mm-hmm. But um, but that, I think, was a good example of how thinking of an interesting hook or a creative way that people might, you know, try to put myself in other people's shoes and creating something that's more easily digestible and really easy to relatable. understand relatable. relatable thank you yeah yes, yes. is uh is the best you know is something that i think hopefully sets me apart yeah. i'd like to think it does well and i have a couple questions related to that i'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the show sure. um that those are questions that i think obviously i'm interested in and, and our listeners um but i want to just kind of get yeah. a little bit more about you personally and i wondered if you could tell me anything 
um, about you that might surprise people who, who know you that don't know? I think, you know, economists are always assumed to be a little bit um, sort of like flying between the rails. Um, I have a very, uh, I think, a very um, funny side or uh, I'm always very adventurous. I'm involved in a little park called Star Garden Neighbors. It's just down the road on 6th and Lombard. And when we were started to do winter festivals or help to increase our programming, um, I learned how to fold balloon animals to <laughs> do that for all the <laughs> A kids. A new talent. Yeah. <laughs> I had to update my resume to put that on. But, but you know, <laughs> I just I just think it's, uh, you know, I think people laugh because they would see me sort of in a clown wig, like folding the balloon animals. And they're like, Laura? And I'm like, hey, you know. <laughs> An like, economist? We, we, need, you know, we needed this, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, it took me, you know, two really fun weekends on YouTube, and my kids loved it. And there were a lot of pop balloons all over our house. But uh, so I think, you know, I, I'm... I really enjoy being um, outside of work as well and exploring, um, you know, just different funny ways. Like life is fun. It should be fun. And I think that's something that a lot of people get too serious about. Yeah. Well, and I will mention you have two daughters. Yeah. Eight and ten. Yeah. Eight and ten. So they're young. And so you have to be, you know, lighthearted and And you have to kind of be willing to, yeah, dance to really, you know, crazy pop songs and Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. That's right. Do you think I'm gonna kinda jump ahead. I I wanted you to talk about your daughters because in this world where we're always talking about empowerment and, you know, girls can do anything what kind of conversations do you have with them to try to help with self-esteem and confidence? Now's the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's actually as you know an especially important question for me at this time because my older daughter experienced, um, you know, like my husband has a mild dyslexia and has ADHD, and um, I saw in second grade two years ago her confidence falters significantly. And, mm-hmm. you know, more than the grades or the challenges and engaging in some of the homework, seeing her confidence falter is what made me feel like we really needed to make a change. So we switched her to a different school that really, I think, helped with her confidence. So I think, you know, one of the best advice that I got about parenting that I fully agree with is if you want to you know, change something about your kids, change yourself. Mm. So I just try to show them when I'm nervous about something and not hide it, but also then share with them my own happiness at overcoming it or doing a good job or, you know. I think that's so Showing them a little confidence is probably the best way to get them to get confidence. I agree. Um, We're going to go into our first break. When we come back, I want to give you an opportunity to say a few words about your mom who just passed recently. Oh, thank you. We'll be right back. The Women to Watch, CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. In today's world of social media and social influencers, we hear more than ever about having a personal brand. While most of us aren't social celebrities and influencing thousands of people on Instagram, it is true that your personal brand matters. Jeff Bezos summed it up well by saying, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I'd like to add that in the social world in which we live, your brand is also the impression you give to others who may not know you at all except for your social media footprint. So this is something you must be deliberate about, especially in the business world where your personal brand can influence your career from getting that entry-level job all the way up the ladder. So what can you do to develop and maintain a positive personal brand? Tip number one, 
Think about what you want to be known for and cultivate that. Pick one or two things that you have a unique angle on and build them out. For me, my leadership brand is about combining a facts-based culture, which stems from my background as an engineer, with emotional intelligence and candor to deliver results and followership. Tip two, when it comes to social media, always play nice and stay above the fray. If you wouldn't say it to someone in person, don't tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, or post it on LinkedIn. Your online presence should mirror your physical presence and the words that you would directly speak. Also, remember that how you act can also reflect on your company, positively or negatively. So be careful about getting tangled up in the politics of things or the heat of the moment. With that being said, the third tip is to be authentic. Know what you stand for and don't waver. So if you need to say something, do so, but be deliberate, understand the ramifications, and be respectful. And my final tip, remember that building out your personal brand means letting your personality shine through. Give people a little insight into what makes you tick and what you're passionate about beyond the job. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dawn Zier here with CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Laura Rame, Investment Research at FS Investments. That's a lot of S's. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I feel I need to give a big shout out to my son, Christopher, who happens to work at FS and um, put Laura on my radar. He's a great guy. He is a great guy great kid. He'll always be a kid to me. Um, So listen, in my research, I read that your mom passed just a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to just say, you know, something in memory of her. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, my mom had uh, suffered from Lewy body dementia, which uh, she got about uh, four or five years ago, or we sort of were first able to diagnose it then. So I think one of the hardest things, I mean, it's never Gosh, knows it's never easy to lose a parent, but I think for any of us, seeing somebody who had such a keen mind and a strong intellect deteriorate like that is particularly uh, painful. Mm. Um, They call dementia the long goodbye, and Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a really perfect way to describe it. Mm -hmm. So while we miss her, you know, obviously there's the side of it where we really feel like, um, you know, she's released from the cage that her mind had really become. Mm. Um, But she, um, until the end, was so loving. That Mm. was really nice. She did not lose the happiness to see us. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, I have to say, you know, we, I struggled for a couple of years before she, my mother moved to be closer to my sister and my sister took over her care But being a working mom and then a caretaker for a parent was just something that was more difficult than I had ever imagined. And a lot of people who weren't aware of my mom's illness would say, oh, how do you manage it with the kids and and your job? And 
Boy, I would say the kids are a really easy part of the equation. And if anything, I, I feel like they deserve a shout out because they mm-hmm. really got it. They love my mom too. They understood that I needed to, you know, couldn't be with them because I needed to be with my mom and focus on her. And I feel like they really, we really pulled together as a family through that illness. Yeah. So that was really, That's really helpful. I will tell you, I, I fully understand. My mom has Alzheimer's yes. as well. Yeah. So and literally in the midst of it, and everything you just said is so, so true. Yeah. So it's so emotionally difficult, the acceptance of, of, of watching that, you know, yeah. and nothing we can do really to change it's it. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Tell me, let's let's talk a little bit more about your job. Mm-hmm. And um, so your work focuses on macroeconomic financial market analysis. Yes. Okay. And that is to help FS um, as a company understand what's happening in the economy and then best serve the clients. Yes. Tell me, um, w- let's talk about the current trends right now. Anything you can sure. share with us that would just be um, educational? Sure, sure. And, and even before we do that, Susan, I wanted to just – Quickly um, step back and talk about what something that actually resonates so well when I present to investors, because I think there's often a misunderstanding that the economy and financial markets are the same thing. And I have a slide in my presentation that shows a woman on the beach flying a kite. And, you know, the woman on the beach is the economy. That's not a gender statement. It's just <laughs> the person on the beach is flying, is flying is, is the economy, and they're flying the kite. And the kite are financial markets. So the person you know on the beach, we've all flown a kite before, hopefully, um, is slower moving, sort of you know step forward, step backwards. Um, that's the economy. But the kite is whipsawing um, in a wild cross currents that often – have nothing to do with the person on the beach. So they're linked, they're connected. Um, there is some control, but there is also this idea that the economy is a slower moving animal and financial markets are very rapidly yes. moving. What a great so, analogy. Yeah, yeah, I love that picture. I, it, it's uh, And it's interestingly, it's one of the slides that people ask me the most if they can have. <laughs> so yeah. I think, um, you know, using that as a framework to understand that when we see things like right now, I think the economy is doing just fine. Um, the problem is that our cruising altitude, I like to say, our sort of our cruising speed has decelerated. And a lot of that's due to the baby boomers getting older, the slower, you know, across our economy, the slower population growth means we have a lower labor force growth. We're going to have lower output. Um you know, the fact that productivity is low also hampers how much our economy is going to be able to generate. So given the fact that this cruising speed is slower, we're hitting that cruising speed. It's a nuanced concept where, on the one hand, it should make us all feel better. Right. <laughs> um, More right. controllable. Exactly. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, when I say the economy is probably going to grow 2% this year, that's our forecast, 2%. It's not a a wild estimation. A lot of people expect that. But that is very slow compared to, say, the 1980s, when our economy would naturally grow around 4%. Okay. So that's an important difference to understand. And it means that when we think about financial markets, there is less traction, less fundamental traction for companies in terms of, you know, slower growth means slower revenue generation, slower 
aggregate demand, you know, <laughs> slower household formation, a lot of the things that companies need to generate their own profits. Okay. What a great, I just, that was so helpful oh, in good. understanding <laughs> and, and describing, and, and as a very visual learner, I really appreciated that. So, you know, in, in my research, I, I read that there have been roughly 47 recessions documented in, yeah. in the U.S. Yep. So inevitably, another one is going to be yes. on the horizon. And we're hearing, lay folks like myself, um, that it's impending and it's going to happen. Yeah. So what is something simple that you can share with the listeners about what we should be doing, what we should be ready for? Just something smart. Right, right. Know? Well, um, so, you know, I think it's true that, you know, we are going to have a recession one day. I think... Something, it's not on our radar anytime soon. Um, there's no reason why the economy, our economy wants to grow. That's its natural steady state. We kind of need something to knock us off of that growth path. Um, but I think something that's so important for people to remember is that the last recession was so devastating and so deep, be, partly because it coincided with a financial crisis we may very well have another recession, but it may be a more typical recession that lasts two or three quarters, not six quarters okay. like our last recession. So hopefully, you know, you want to, you know, make sure your savings, your debt levels are as a as a household are responsible. But um, but hopefully we you know, I do not expect I don't think very many people respect expect at all the catastrophic downturn that we have. Okay, good to know. Good That's news. optimistic. <laughs> yes. We're going to take another break. I'm speaking with Laura Rehm, Chief U.S. Economist in Investment Research at FS Investments. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Annual routine blood tests give a wealth of information about the status of your health. When I see a patient for the first time or annual checkup, I order these basic studies a complete blood count, chemistries, and thyroid test. The complete blood count, this includes your white blood cell count. If elevated, you may have an infection or inflammation. If it's low, you're open to infection. <clears throat> Hemoglobin, this tells me how much blood is in your body. How full is your tank? Remember, red blood cells carry oxygen. If you have a low count, which is anemia, your heart has to beat faster to move less fluid around. You might feel palpitations or short of breath. Get it? We'll talk more about causes of anemia in the near future. The platelet count, fragments in the blood which help us clot. If it's abnormal, you can have serious bleeding. Now serum chemistries. This includes electrolytes, sodium, potassium. These elements drive many important body functions and can reflect kidney disease or hormone imbalance. Low potassium from a water pill or diarrhea can cause abnormal heart rhythms, even a heart attack. Protein levels reflect general nutrition status. Low protein can lead to severe swelling, and fluid shifts can then strain your kidneys. Abnormal calcium levels can cause bone disease, constipation, confusion. We check kidney function, liver function. Even a slight abnormality can point to a serious condition like hepatitis or fatty liver, and either can lead to chronic liver disease, even liver failure. Your thyroid is your motor. If it's overactive, everything is revved up. A faster heartbeat, metabolism, weight loss, if underactive, everything's slower and can lead to big problems, including serious heart disease. Listen to the Diva Doctor. Blood tests at regular intervals can show how your body changes over time and can help you make informed decisions about your health. 
Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Most people are familiar with credit cards, right? But the term credit applies to more than just the plastic card you can use to make purchases. Credit is your financial trustworthiness. It determines how confident a company can be in your ability and intention to pay off your debts. If you have good credit, this is an excellent indication that not only can you claim to be financially responsible, but your credit history can actually back that claim up. It can make it easier for you to borrow money and at a lower interest rate. A score of 700 and higher on a scale of 300 to 850 is generally considered to be good or excellent. But if you have bad credit, you might find yourself having a hard time getting a car loan, a credit card, a place to live, or even a job or car insurance. Your credit score takes into account your annual income, your debt, your bill payment history, and any collections actions, the numbers and types of loans and accounts you have, your credit limits, and what your total debt would be if you reached your total limits. Creditors then use your score to determine the level of risk you pose to them. And a credit report will include such information as your social security number, current and past addresses and employers, your spouse's name, lender names and account numbers, high balances, current balances, and credit limits, who has requested your credit report in the past 24 months, and it can also include any bankruptcies, tax liens, judgments, or criminal proceedings you may have had. It's important to monitor your credit score and check for inaccuracies. If you do find any errors, make sure to dispute it directly with the credit bureau that provided the report. The three major credit bureaus who report credit scores are Experian, TransUni- TransUnion, and Equifax. Always be sure to pay down outstanding debt, pay your bills on time, and close any inactive accounts. Knowing your credit score is important. If you are about to apply for credit, especially something significant like a mortgage, find out your credit score in advance. Then you can correct any errors and start improving your score. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So just before the break, we were talking a little bit about recessions and the inevitability of another one coming, and you left us with some positive um, views on that, which is great. I'm always curious to learn and know more about the difference between men and women when it comes to investing. I won't say the economy. And for sure, we're seeing more women entrepreneurs, women starting their own companies, and it's really exciting and fantastic. So I would just love to know your personal views on what you see those differences are. Yeah, so, you know, it's it is it continues to be a real um dichotomy because so many uh women are now in charge of their own households and in charge of their own businesses and really um self-determined when it comes to financial well-being 
and yet still consider this to be a male, you know, part of the household chores um, and or the, you know, the household maintenance and are um, scared or um, don't know where to start when it comes to educating themselves. I mean, there are some incredible resources out there. And, um, you know, I think there are, you know, in the end, any small step that you can take, you know, it's like losing weight in the end. It's not too complicated, like saving money, you know, yeah. in the end, the basic things that, that you can do, which will help you. Don't spend um, more than you right. have. You know, no, knowing your numbers, you know, know kind of knowing, um, you know, how much you have in the retirement savings, knowing what your budget is, uh, you know, very easy, simple budgeting apps. The more information you can gather, I sound like my father, the more information you can gather, <laughs> I think the be- you know, the more you can start understanding where there's a little room for improvement. Um, and I think for women, you know, I-, I took some time off after I had the girls and I was at home, uh, you know, my-, my husband worked. And I felt when I came back to work and started earning, and now our, our earning is pretty much 50-50, um, I felt like it just made our relationship so much better. Mm. And that could just be me. I fully understand that. But having that, um, you know, feeling like I had that safety of some self-determination of my own income was just really valuable to me. I don't even know how I got off on that tangent because I think that when you look at how men and women, I think when you look at how men and women invest, it's important to, you know, women are responsible for like 80% of the household purchases. So actually women have a lot more information than they think that they do about uh, the budget that their household is facing. So that makes me think about another topic that we talk a lot about on the show. You know, women being the the major consumers really have a lot of power. Yeah. Right. Um, But I don't know that it's ever uh, culturally, we don't necessarily market to them with that thought. It's true. Right. Yeah. And I think that is you know, when you think about the size of our entire economy, it's $20 trillion, um, the U.S. consumer is about $12 trillion. Well, 80% of that is, you know, $10, $9.5 trillion. So you think about the amount of money um, that uh, women are touching in some way or another, it's really significant. And it just, I think it goes, you know, now a certain amount of that may be food, it may be the the kind of spending that isn't discretionary. It's more sort of the maintenance spending. But as a demographic, I don't think we flex our our muscle as much as we should. Yeah. One of the things I think um, we should do better and, and begin to do is teach little kids about money, right? And not just yes. math. Yes. I so, could not agree more. And I think, you know, one financial literacy to me is one of the – uh, areas where there is the least education, the least focused. Um, I look at income inequality and the fact that families that are underbanked or uh, have less knowledge of financial markets produce kids that become uh, overladen with debt or overburdened with debt and lose opportunity because of it. Um, I think, you know, our company, FS Investments, has extensive financial literacy programs. Um, and this to me is, you know, it's such a core vision of the FS Foundation. And I I felt like when I joined the company and that was something that we started talking about, Michael Foreman, our, cha- our chair and president started talking about, 
I mean, I almost jumped out of my chair. <laughs> to me, that is that, you know, he hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, you look at the fact that we send all these kids out. We tell kids that college is the American dream. And, you know, they cobble together $100 to make their application for the application fee. And they get accepted and they sign on the dotted line for student loans often without even basic understanding of what interest rates mean yes, or right. knowing how you know what these contracts look like it's it's really something that we need to address or else we're not going to be able to to rectify the growing income inequality that we're seeing yeah and it's surprising to me that we would not recognize this yeah. Still, yet. The statistics, I mean, I think kids graduate from high school with like one week of coursework on this. Uh, you know, not yeah. understanding credit cards, not understanding compound interest. They want to save for a house. They have no idea how to do it, how much yeah. money they're going to need, what it's going to mean. Right. Um, you know, it goes on and on. So to yeah. me, this is really, you know, I feel like when I was younger, it was like sex education You know, for kids <laughs> this age. That's the education that they are desperately need to create a healthy financial foundation. Yeah, just know, to live for right? the course of their whole lives. Yeah, exactly to yeah. live, which is why we all go to work, right? And, absolutely, and do the jobs we do. No, absolutely, and you don't want to be paying it away to um, debt that you don't need or interest rates that you don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, tell me about your involvement with Ballet X. Yes. Uh, you know, I am a proud former board member and still an enormous fan. Um, I have always loved the ballet. I am the least graceful person in the world, but <laughs> so I never did ballet, but I always loved it. Uh, but Christine Cox is their founder and is also a, a close personal friend. And, um, you know, they're Philly born Philly, uh, Philly raised. I love that Christine is very proud of, you know, we're going to do it in Philly. We're going to do it better than anybody else. Um, you know, it's it's contemporary ballet where the Balanchines of tomorrow are going to create new ballet right now. Uh, in some ways, it actually reminds me of FS Investments. Like, we're going to do it in Philly. And we're yeah, <laughs> we're going to do it better. Yeah, yeah We're going to take one last break. And then continue our conversation. I'm talking to Laura Rain from SFS Investments. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Last week, I talked about online breadcrumbs called digital footprints. A digital footprint gets bigger and bigger throughout the years and follows you forever. These footprints are created when you post on social media, have email accounts, do online shopping, etc. As I mentioned, the first step to understanding your footprint is to Google yourself. Did you do this? Were you surprised at what you could find out about yourself? Knowing what's out there is the first step to understanding your footprint. Understanding what precautions to take is the next step. Always double check privacy settings on social media sites. Some sites have privacy settings that you can ensure are on. From time to time, these sites change their settings and things can slip through. So make sure that what you post is something you want the world, including your mother or future employer, to see. 
Remember, what's private on social media may still be accessible to other search engines, and once it's out there, can be reposted or shared by others. Come up with passwords that are difficult to hack. Do not use old pet names, maiden names, birth dates. Use a random word with some capital letters, a number, and symbol. And if you need help finding a strong password, check out the app called 1Password. If you'd like to make purchases online, make sure that you always use the same credit card for all online shopping. This way, if the card is compromised, you only need to worry about that one account. Most apps on your smartphone are collecting information about you. While theoretically you can control what these apps have access to, who really knows what an app does once it's installed? That's why it's a good idea to go through your apps and delete any of them that you don't really use, including old email accounts. And as we recently learned from the whole face app controversy, always read the fine print before installing an app. For more information on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. my conversation with Laura Rame, and um, I think it's always important that we incorporate in, in the show every week a little bit more about how we can help women to have that belief in themselves and, and really pursue their own endeavors. And you have an opportunity um, to be on multiple news outlets uh, yeah. in, in media, and that's always a, a wonderful opportunity to be able to speak your voice. Tell me what that you know means to you and how you see that as uh, an advantage. Yeah. You know, I... Um I've always enjoyed presenting. I've always enjoyed the interaction, um, talking to people. Um, And I think, you know, with the media, it was a dream that I had had um, when I started uh, on Wall Street watching, you know, some of the um, analysts on, on TV and market commentators. And I, you know, it really took me a little while to say, wait a minute, could I do that? I want to do that. How do I do that? And what year was that um, when you were? This was would have been in the late 1990s. I started oh, okay. on Wall Street in 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when I worked at Brown Brothers Harriman. I was lucky enough to work for a woman who had brought me over from Lehman Brothers. And she said, um, you know, go for it. Do it. If that's what you want to do, do it. And it was kind of a new concept for the bank. They gave me a tremendous opportunity to, um, to to do that. And I really, once I did, all of a sudden it occurred to me, and I got out there and I started uh, doing, you know, going on TV and commenting about markets and the economy. It really gave me this positive lift of like, why not me? Like, why, you know, why, yeah, yeah, uh, you know. And I think, and I think that's something I I try when I feel intimidated by a situation or um, I'm striving for a new sort of audience or a new um, goal. It's it, it really continues to be a thought that I that I that I return to within me mm-hmm. um, that that I hope other people have like there's no reason why it shouldn't be you up there on the dais as an expert you know or yeah. there's no reason why it shouldn't be you interviewing you know doing a fireside chat with a fed president or something like that yeah. um yeah we should all just strive for that because we can probably all do it you just have to see it first was there a time for you it does take um courage to put yourself out there the way that you do has that developed over time for you, or was there any pivotal moment where you thought, "All right, I'm just gonna today believe in myself"? Yeah, no, I, you know, I do feel like my family always 
you know, treated me like I was smart, like what I had to say mattered. Um, you know, they always really encouraged me to um, to talk and to give my opinion. And mm. um, it actually it probably wasn't until I got to junior high school and faced, you know, some of the normal social blowback of, you know, like, we don't want to hear what you have to say or you're not, you know, pretty typical right. um, that it occurred to me that. I don't like that. You know, I don't like being told that what I have to say isn't important. <laughs> and I think it's important. You know, I think I think that was where sort of insecurity first entered my world because as a child, I feel like it really wasn't there. You know, I was yeah. really allowed to be very precocious. And again, talking about kids, I think that's something I really encourage in them. If their story is too long or they're talking really loudly or like I want to just let them talk however they want to talk right. and not edit them yeah their personality to get that confidence yeah that's that's awesome because finding our voice is always you yes. know the key um to asking for what we want right absolutely um mentorship you know um do you do that with some of the young women in the in the firm yeah absolutely um i always say yes when asked um I think, um, you know, to the extent it takes many forms, you know, some people have very specific problems or challenges and other people just want to talk. Um, but it's something that I've also enjoyed mentoring some of the younger men in the firm as well. Um, I think it's something that, I, you know, I feel lucky to be asked to do. So I try to, you know, <laughs> tell people that that you thank them for thinking, <laughs> for asking for yeah. thinking that my that you know I'm worth it um because we all value our time um but I think in the end you know it really comes down to and what I tell people is you know you have to know what you want we don't just I mean I guess every now and then someone may just stumble across it but if you want something have a specific ask you know yeah, <laughs> and that's right. really important yeah it's amazing how often people are just broadly unhappy and you're like well what do you want to fix it? And the answer is, oh, I don't know. Well, then you've got to – then it's on you. Yeah, You have right. to figure it out. Exactly. Can you share um, when you feel most insecure? What are those moments where you're, you know, having to dig deep? Yeah, I still I still experience that, um, you know, sometimes in, in meetings where um, – where we're not specifically talking about the economy. You know, I, I, f I feel like preparing for meetings is something that I, I didn't do naturally because a lot of things came easy to me, especially in finance and on, um, you know, with, about my work. But, for example, um, I'm the co-chair of the zoning committee in my neighborhood here in Philadelphia. I um, am, the, you know, when I was on the board of Ballyax – Meetings that are outside of my sort of sphere mm. of experience and expertise, um, often, you know, I, I would find myself underprepared and preparing for them and really trying to get dialed in almost is very, it's so important, but it also still creates sometimes an insecurity. And I would say this too, while in every meeting, I often walk away with, oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said that. And that continues to be a frustration for me because I feel like other people are so much quicker and I tend to ruminate. <laughs> you know, I'll follow up a meeting afterwards and say, you know, here's a follow up thought. And I feel like that's less impactful. So it still causes me insecurity in meetings like, do I jump in? Should I say it? Should I not? You yeah. know, <laughs> that's interesting when we're outside what we do well and right. what we love to do. Right. Yeah. And you're in other 
in other people's territories. Yeah. I think it's probably very typical to be insecure in those moments. I tell people that and it surprises them. So <laughs> I think I sound like I know what I'm talking about a lot more than I actually know what I'm right. talking about when it comes to being outside of the economics and financial market world. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just have a couple minutes left. Advice, you know, for anyone who's listening that wants to kind of venture into a field that is traditionally male dominated yeah. and maybe you've had experiences where you know, you got a little pushback for being the only woman in the room. Yeah. Um, share that with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we're all, if you, we want to change the, you know, gender balance of some of these fields, we just have to stick at it. And um, I feel like I am deeply appreciative of the women who started working on Wall Street in the 70s and 80s. I can't imagine how hard that was for them. Uh, coming out of the gate in 1993 was certainly not easy. Um, but I really persevered, and I've actually worked with so many men, you know, including the leadership at FS Investments, which has given me incredible opportunities, mm. um, and I value so much. So I think, you know, saying, oh, it's all just it's pointless, it's hopeless, um, we have to keep persevering and and just earning the opportunities that we get, taking advantage of them. Constantly ask for more. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't accept. You're right. The ask is the <laughs> but biggest thing. We need thing. to keep yeah. asking. Right. <laughs> and yeah. um, and I think that it you know unfortunately it maybe changes slower than we want to, but yeah. it changes. But it's yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah I, it does. I see it, and yeah. I think too having men a part of the conversation, which is happening as so well, important. is a big boost. Absolutely. Listen, I I so much enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for coming in and, Thank and you. sharing your story. That was Laura Raim from uh, FS Investments here in Philadelphia. And that's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and advertisers for helping me bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.